0: Brought to you by Guatney Chevrolet. At the Gregory Street exit in Jacksonville, this is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine.
1: Today's show is the one I'm probably more excited about than in any we have done in the last four, five, six years, however long we've done this show. Joey Kramer, he's a second unit director, a stuntman, a stunt coordinator, and famously Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double on the f- my favorite films, Commando, Predator, Total Recall, all that kind of stuff. What an honor to have you. Joey, how are you? Hey,
0: Scott, good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, my and gosh, let me yes. apologize. <laughs> well, let me apologize, first off, for my voice, if I'm clearing it, because allergies out here in Arizona where I live are just brutal right now. <clears throat> but, uh, hey, I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to... I, I am ready. You fire away and fall back. And I'll be glad to talk about whatever you need. Well, where did you where did you grow up at? Well, actually, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, moved to L.A. in the mid '60s. And you know, it's funny how I got into this, how I got the bug to do stunt work is back in the mid '60s when they were doing the Batman TV series. Oh yeah, there was a stunt there was a stuntman named Roger Creed that worked the show, but on the side he he built homes. And he was doing a room addition for our neighbors across the street. I was seven years old. And him and his wife had took all the neighborhood kids down to the Batman set. Oh, wow. mean, we were just, oh, yeah, I was tickled. I got the itch then. Was the Batmobile there? uh, No, but I did drive the Batmobile. And I'll tell you that story. is quite, quite funny. (laughs) My hero. Well, after I got out of high school. You know, I was going, I wanted to get into the business. I was in college and I met a girl named Joji Barris. Joji Barris was George Barris, the man who designed the Batmobile. the Batmobile. Yeah. He designed it. Built, he had he had Barris custom down in River, you know, on Riverside Drive in uh, North Hollywood. Well, we're dating, so I went to work for George. And uh, we used to take, when George would leave, we'd pick out the Batmobile, the Monsters coach. We'd fire these things up and go drive it up and down Riverside Drive. It was fun. That's and a
1: multi-million-dollar m- <laughs> car now, the Batmobile. You're well, out cruising around in it.
0: Well, <laughs> so back then it wasn't. Back then, you understand, he had five of them. Ah. We had the original that didn't run, and then there were five copies made that did all the car shows. You know. Wow. And uh, so we we pop them out, and go have fun, and if they broke down, we were pushing because the Batmobile was about two thousand pounds of bondo. Trust me, <laughs> it was. Big it was built off of the original was the Continental. The other ones were built off of old 60, early sixties T-Birds and uh, boy, we were lucky if they ran and,
1: uh, but what were the favorite movies and TV shows that influenced you? You had to have things before you get into the movies. What were the things like, ah, I would, that would, that's so awesome. I'd love to be a part of that.
0: Well, you know, as when I was growing up in the sixties and early sixties, you had, you you had all the Westerns going, you had, Mm -hmm multitudes of westerns going. You know, as a kid, I loved, you know, Bonanza. We loved gunsmoke. We love you know Steve McQueen, one of my favorites, who was doing Wanted Dead or Alive. And then you started to get into more of the cop shows, the Mannixes, you know, and you know, all of these shows in the early 70s. And, you know, but I, you know, I was a feature kid. I loved going to the movies and watching the stunt, and I'd go home and try to emulate this crap, you know? And uh, so, I, yeah, seriously, I got, I mean, I was lucky. I was a champion swimmer from eight years old to 10 years old. Then I was a high diver at school. And then I got into martial arts, I got into motor, motocross racing. I did everything I could get my hands on because. In my time, you know, coming up in the early 70s in the the movie business through the 80s and 90s, you know, if you didn't do it, if you weren't all around and all around and you didn't do the spectrum of all stunt work, fights, cars, motorcycles, fire, underwater, sword fights, you name it, you didn't work as much. And if a stunt coordinator is putting a team together to go on location, I want a quorum of guys that can do everything, then bringing guys in and out that's. It's it's just more cost effective that way, and uh, you know as the shows got bigger and bigger, once I broke into stunt coordinating and second unit directing, now I'm I'm designing the stunts, I'm road testing the stunts, I'm in with the special effects set buildings. We have to have everything built and designed. You know, for R&D work, to make sure things are going to work. And I'll give you a, for instance, on True Lies and on Terminator 2, where I've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just testing these big, big, big stunt gags. And, you know, you, you're you a manager is what I'm saying. Sure. So then I'll bring in friends of mine that can say, I'm going to have you oversee the fight choreography. And you're going to, you know, you're the rigging team. Back when I first started, we did it all, and it was a one-man band.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: just too much. It's too much.
1: Do you remember the first thing that you uh, did on film? Well, the
0: first thing I actually did on film. You're funny. You're asking. <clears throat> they were doing a, a TV movie of the week called Superheroes back around 1976, 77. And uh, George, I was working for George Barris, and he says, "You're going to take the Batmobile up to this location." near the Bronson Caves, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to use it in the shot. It's just parked. And it's with Adam West and Burt Ward and all these I remember that they little
1: one-hour special or something. I saw right, it on TV. Right.
0: Yeah. So I bring it there, and it's parked there. And they go, hey, we want to do this stunt where – a Batman double is going to get thrown over and roll off the hood of the car. I said, I'm going to, walk. I'm 17 and a half years old. I said, I'm going to walk over here. Cause George said, nobody touches the car, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to see it. So they did it. And then they said, we got to have somebody drive the Batmobile, do a real fast drive by and then tear out of the Bronze caves. I said, well, no one's driving at me. <clears throat> so that's where I did my first little bit of sun driving <sighs> and they put, They put the suit on me to double Adam, they put the cowl on, and I'll never forget Adam West coming up to me, very fatherly, put his hand on my shoulders now, Joel, make sure you make me look like a million dollars, and he patted me on the back, (laughs) and we did. But what was really screwed up is when I'm doing the fast driveway, they had those ears that stuck up on the back, you know, on the headpiece. Oh, sure. Well, I leaned back, and they hit the jet canopy, and the thing went right over my eyes. I couldn't see. So I'm kind of driving by rail for a while, but we pulled it off. That was my
1: first job. I've been that in, in that cave. First, first it's job. barely big enough, I would think, to even put the car in. You can barely get – that's why they have bushes and things around sure. It, you Sure. Know? And then what
0: they would do is normal film speed back then would run at 24 frames per second. So they'd shoot it at 18, so it looks like you're going twice as
1: fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And quite a bit faster. You even get to play a Klingon in like the first Star Trek movie, correct? Yeah, yeah that was one of my first bigger jobs. That was in 79.
0: I had been doing. I'd been standing in, doing extra work, and standing in, you know, trying to get acting jobs. I really wanted to be an actor, but and I went on lots of interviews, got a few parts, had an agent, the Terry Lickman company back then. But I got to tell you, I wasn't very good at it. I'm just going to be honest. You're a stunt I was Much guy. better. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of some stunt guys can deliver dialogue. Many think they can and they can't. I was one of the many. But, um, Clay, that was that was an interesting role. It was on the first Star Trek picture and me being a Trekkie, you know, we oh, got the sure. the opening sequence and we had the original creator of the makeup, Fred Phillips on board. And back then, you know, we would have, we'd have to be set ready at 7am. So we had two in the morning calls. Oh. We go through makeup for five to four to five hours. And the first day we can't wait. We're wearing these big leather Klingon suits. And, well, they, Put these. They molded these whole, you know, makeup pieces weeks prior to us. So it took four hours to glue that on. Then we had to put in contact lenses, <laughs> you know, mouth pieces. And by the time you're set, ready. You know, And then now you're working on the set. Remember, the lighting back then, they were using what, these old arc lightings. It's basically a rod that is charged like an arc welder, and it's burning hot. And smoke's coming up, and they had exhaust fans going. Oh, dear and Lord. It, the temperature on that set was 110, 115 degrees. And we're dying in these headsets. and V. Neil, our one of our key makeup assistants, would come by and, and squish our heads, and a quart of sweat would come out. We we're almost bashing out. <laughs> so you can imagine the poor assistant director by the third day we're hiding we don't even want to get into makeup these poor people are searching all we're hiding up in the rafters up in the studio they're searching all the lot to get us into
1: makeup it was brutal you you, I mean, it, you basically <laughs> beamed out of there <laughs> oh we were gone we were gone well we finished it up you know
0: and uh got it done because you're a pro you have to but oh man we get done and after five hours six hours of makeup now you're sitting around for hours and you're going okay
1: it's part of the deal it's hurry up and wait i am a nut for ninja stuff and you worked on ninja three the domination were you a ninja what I, were you in the big fight in the go- on the golf course and all that stuff <laughs> yeah there's some funny stories that went on there um
0: A friend of mine was the stunt coordinator on the show, Steve Lambert. And I had only gone down there. He was going to jump a car into a a lake on the golf course. And the car was built by a local uh, thrill show guy named Spanky Spangler. And Steve goes, can you come down here and help me set up this stunt and look at the car because I'm not – It's not my forte. He's a martial artist. He's a fight guy. So I got down to Phoenix, and I looked at the car and said, well, Steve, we've got to make modifications. I said, number one, Spanky built this for his size, and the kid's like four foot ten. So he's trying to push himself into you not doing it and you giving it to him. So Buck McDancer and I got in there, cut out a lot of the cage, rewelded it. And then I said, Steve, you know, the ramp is set way too high. He goes, what do you mean? I said the way the ramp is set, if you hit it, you're going to be 30 feet in the air. We got to cut that down about six feet. You only need about a 22-inch ramp. It'll get you five feet in the air, and you'll get your distance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, okay. So we, you know, we spend two days getting this all redone. Steve wants to do the stunt, and I said, Steve, now let me train you on the scuba bottle we have here. I'm going to have a regulator on your wrist and one tied here, because chances are when you get in the water. The car's gonna sink because we didn't put float, they wanted it to go under. Oh, which sure. is fine. We didn't we didn't put flotation in. I said, you just stay in the car on air and we'll get you out. We'll come in, we'll unbuckle you, we'll get you out. Because chances are you're gonna have no visibility because of the silt that's gonna kick up when oh, the car yeah. rests. It's only six feet deep, but there's still a lot of silt. And I said, Steve, you need to hit this ramp at 35 miles an hour. Well, here he comes, and it's—he's doing about sixty, and we're going. Oh, oh my God!
1: No, you're gonna go out but, of frame at that he, rate. Yeah.
0: Oh well, he hit the water almost vertical and flipped upside down. It went under, and we, Buck McDanzer and I, immediately on scuba got got in there. Now I'm feeling this car by Braille. I can't find Steve. I'm starting to really freak out. Where's my friend? I'm going through the front seat, the oh, back seat.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And we're both under there. We've got three inches of, of visibility. Did something happen? Did the belt did what I break surface and he had what he had done is did everything we told him not to. He unbelted and he felt his way out, got out the back window that we had left out. And he's up there taking bows and this and that. My heart is just, just oh, I thought I thought we lost our friends. And, uh, you know, communication is key. When yeah. It wasn't my show, but communication is key. I put a lot of people in those situations where they get in the cars. I say, stay in the car. We'll get you out. And they do. I said, you got enough air to breathe for 40 minutes. We'll get you out. And most of my, you know, safety divers or ex-seal team, you know, that are stunt guys, they are going to get you out. And, it, you know, when you go by the plan, it's safe. Hey, look at the first Terminator. I was in New York doing a movie called um, Remo Williams: The Adventure Begins." I oh, had of a day off. I'm, wa- I'm walking. I'm staying at the old. Uh, where are we at? The Mayflower Hotel on Central Park West, and I'm just walking up, you know, Central Park, and I see a Terminator. I go and see the movie. Holy crap! I got out of that. I was so blown away. I got back to the hotel, rounded up the stunt guys. Go, you got to come see this. And you know, lo and behold, how would I know that two, three years later, I'm doubling the guy in Commando. And it's funny how that job came about.
1: That is know? my favorite movie of all time. I've probably seen it are hundreds sure and hundreds of this? times. I have an exact replica of the vest that he wore in the yeah. film. I suppose right, you wore right, the right. vest from the film.
0: Oh, yeah. Sully. This is my <laughs> bad daughter. I mean,
1: <laughs> you know. How did you get that funny. job? So I That's the first Arnold film is Commando. That was the first time. Yeah. What happened was is,
0: I was actually on my way to the Philippines to do two jobs back-to-back, and I'd I've, i I've, I've been in the Stuntmen's Association fraternal group for about a year, and I'm walking into the office, and Benny Dobbins, who was the stunt co- coordinator on that movie, he looked at me and he goes, hey, kid, uh, what's your status? Are you available? I said, Benny, I'd love to work for you, but I'm heading to the Philippines. He goes... He goes well. I got this show with, called Commando with Schwarzenegger. You'd make a good double for him. I was built, but not as big as Arnold at the time. Arnold was about two twenty-five because mm-hmm. he had just finished an Olympia, you know, three years before, so he still had some size on. And I was about two hundred pounds. So I said, Benny, I would love to do it because I just bought my first home. I wanted to stay in. I'd rather stay home and work in L.A. So I called the court. I, I called the production company. I. I got him somebody good left the show and you know, about a week later I go in for wardrobe fittings and they built me a muscle suit. It was this full really? muscle suit that I would wear under. Yeah. Because Arnold's arms were bigger than mine. I was built, but not like Arnold at the
1: time. Well, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, I'm wearing this muscle suit except for the shirt off scenes. I could pull it off. But so about four days later I had long hair and, uh, they want me to come in and get my hair dyed, and I I walk into the hair trailer and there's Arnold, and he oh. looks me up and down. I put up my hand. I said, Arnold, uh, I'm Joel Kramer. I'm your stunt double, and he shakes. He looks me up and down with that Terminator look, and he goes, Oh, finally they get me a stuntman that's a little bit built, you know. It, that's his sense of humor. <laughs> so, and I'm I'm looking at Arnold. He's got long hair like my Oh, this is great. I don't have to cut my hair. So I. I go out to wardrobe, I get refit. I come back and Arnold is flat top. And I go, Oh God. So they dye my hair flat top me. Long story short, we got to become pretty good friends on the show. I did all his stunts and, uh, I thanked him for the job, you know? And I said, you know, if I ever get a chance to do it again, I'd be honored. But after the show, you know, he'd call me up. We'd hang out at his house, have cigars
1: you just threw me for a loop. You you you'll get called by Arnold and hang out at his house smoking cigars. Right. That's like oh, yeah, Arnold that's like Elvis Arnold. calling you to go to Graceland and let's hang, you know. I mean, that's inc- I mean, I'm 49 years old. I grew up on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. That right, is right. like my oh. dream thing. What you just said. Well, we
0: we hung out a lot together you know arnold had some great parties at the house we'd play tennis you know we'd we'd go shooting we'd go white water rafting he's always doing something you know he's keeping himself busy we we after that movie i would go down to world gym you know joe goldo sure. the old world gym arnold, and arnold and I and Sven Thorsen we would train together so i started arnold really taught me a lot about training and you know i started putting on size putting on size and you know we did red heat we did
1: uh oh that's a great stunt, movie yeah.
0: there's been so many what happened on red heat was benny dobbins was the stunt coordinator and we were in austria and i had been setting up a lot of the vehicle stunts and stuff for benny he was just something was off i couldn't put my finger on it and while we were over in budapest somebody came i we were setting up the stunt where Sven and I are doing the fight. I'm doubling Arnold. We come out the sauna window, yeah. tumble down the big snow bank, and then there's a fight in the snow. Well, we sh- we shot that outside. Sh- we shot the interior in Budapest at Bob Film Studios, and the exterior was in Schladming, Austria. And I'm looking at Benny that day, and I'm going, something's not right. His collar was way off. All of a sudden, somebody ran to me. They said, hey, Benny fell down. He's not getting up. I went, what? So I ran over to Benny, and he was blue. Oh,
1: no. So
0: I started started CPR and chest compressions. And then Lee Orloff, our sound man, came over. Now the whole crew's there. We're trying to get him back. There's no heartbeat. And uh, Uh. a rescue helicopter from Austrian Mountain Services was up there in 10 minutes. They took over. And uh, he was gone before he hit the ground, you know? And... Uh. Long story short, Walter Hill being the gentleman that he is, shut we shut down for a day, you know, in Benny's sure. remembrance. But, but the toughest, Arnold came to me, he said, yeah, I've never seen anything like that. He you goes, know, you guys tried your best. I had to go home and I called Conrad Palmisano, who was married to Benny's daughter, at four in the morning L.A. time. I said, I don't want to call Benny's wife with this news without somebody being there right it was tough but it put me in the space where we had a big fight sequence said to finish this film so that night i wrote out all the fights i prepped everything and i took arnold came to me after the movie goes i'm really proud of you you stepped right up you were forced into it and you did a great job so the next film was the next film was twins
1: which i've heard they're going to make another twins
0: I don't know if that's going to materialize. I mean, you know, Ivan's gone. You know, God, God rest his soul. Ivan gave me my first big break as a stunt coordinator on an A-list film. I got a call. Arnold put Arnold talked to Ivan and said, "I really want you to talk to Joel Kramer. He's my double, but he'd be a great stunt coordinator." I mean, Arnold was so you know uh, inspirational and and helpful in getting me boosting me up the ladder so i get a call i meet ivan we talked for about 30 minutes i get the job and prior to that arnold says to me he goes listen we have to do a distant this distant this stunt, this stunt. i want the arms bigger get the arms bigger but no steroids so you know i just started <laughs> training harder and harder and harder and the good thing was is arnold's coming down in weight you know because his normal weight on most of the shows was 215 Two twelve to two sixteen, man. I got my weight up to about two twenty five, two thirty, and then cut back down to two fifteen. Shredded, you know, because we had a lot of shirt off scenes, and it was important to me, you know. And uh, when he said no, when he first. said
1: no steroids, Joy, was he just totally done with that? Since he was off competition, and he didn't want you going and messing around with it, the danger no, of it, I not guess. At all.
0: We were in we were in front of the studio heads and Ivan Reitman. So of course it's a lot of play, you know, because when we were doing uh what show was it? Hang on. We were doing what uh, Red Heat? Right. Red Heat. Arnold and I had to be shredded for Red Heat. Oh, I mean yeah.
1: I was shredded
0: down I was shredded down to two oh seven. Arnold was about two twelve. And you know, and prior to going to Austria for the shirt off scenes in Budapest and Austria, we're shooting in, in uh Chicago. And we would mess with each other because Arnold had a big suite at the Palmer House where we stayed. And I had a room off of his living room, you know, my own suite, but it connected to his room. And constantly, his weakness was uh, was dazs rum raisin ice cream. So he'd come back. I'd hear him come <laughs> into his room. And I'd have like four quarts of it. And there he'd go, oh, Joel, you SOB. He'd, <laughs> and he'd eat it. And I had a week. I had a weakness for these baby back ribs from this one restaurant oh, yeah. down by the lot. I'd come up, and there'd be, there'd be 15 racks. I go, Oh, you dirty, rotten. And we, cause we were trying to mess with each other while we're trying to stay cut, you know? And Constantly, we'd be in the sauna. I'd be looking at his butt cheeks for needle marks to see if he was on any juice. We were trying to bust each other. Uh, We were both taking a taste of something, but we wouldn't cop to it, you know? Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, come on. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. uh, But uh, he, he never really used it a lot after he. Gave up the bodybuilding, you know, and uh, even on Predator, when we did Predator, we were both uh, we were really in shape and shredded. Arnold was like two eleven; he was really late and light, but that's the way he wanted to look. So you know, he and does no stare, look right. different no, no. in
1: different films. I mean, he looked incredible yeah, he in the second Conan film, but yeah, he looks oh, yeah. totally he's different cool. in Red Heat. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, was it? Was it? Would y'all ever crazy. talk about like? You know, Stallone's doing so and so, he kills so many people in Rambo, so in Commando, we want to blow up twice as much stuff. I mean, would y'all talk that way? No, not really. I mean, the, the press made a big deal about
0: him and Stallone hating each other when they really didn't. I mean, they would make little clips that would get blown out of proportion you know remember talking to arnold one day he goes yeah i said this about slide it wasn't derogatory but the press takes it wrong." you know yeah and uh yeah you know, it's just it's just the pr i'll give you i'll give you what the pr does so we're on we're on a cliffhanger we got the upside down helicopter where, and it's on we've got the real one on the mountain second unit and the, we've got one on stage for stallone and it's held up by cables and back then stallone was a huge golf fanatic mm-hmm. and he's standing on top of the upside down helicopter rig and him and i are talking because he's got to do a fight and he's swinging his arms like golf clubs and i said slide careful you're bleeding on your forearm what he had done is he had poked the end of one of the cables Oh. when they're pressed, press, yeah, just nothing. It's like a pinprick. Sure, little trickle of blood. He, he licked it. Went okay, and he walked away from it. We're rehearsing the punches. The next day, the next freaking day, it comes out in the Hollywood Reporter: Sylvester Stallone seriously injured, but he's okay doing a stunt, and they got a picture of the of the set piece. Oh, I oh went my to the gosh! PR. I went to that this little runt PR guy that looked like Ron Jeremy, and I just reamed him <laughs> a new one. I said, you know what that does to the stunt crew and to the stunt to me? Because you took something and embellished it. Oh, I went ballistic. Sure. You know, even Stallone said that wasn't cool, you know. And Sly did a lot of his own stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, but the the trick is, you can't get these guys hurt. You get them hurt, the movie's shut down. Plus, I don't want to get them hurt anyway. Yeah, you know? of course not. I don't you know, I've got a really exclusive clean track record from all the big, big epic shows I've done. I'm very fortunate, you know, and, uh, you know, it's because I care, you know, it's not about the ego, you know, you're there to get a job done. You're there to deliver explosive action safely. I mean, I could tell you stories about James Cameron and I getting into FU screaming matches nose to nose on T2 and True Lies when I never gave to him, you know, and Jim, would always go, okay, we'll do it your way. He didn't want to get people hurt, but he has a vision and he knows how to throttle people up, you know, and uh, you got to stand your ground. That's the problem with some of the younger stunt coordinators today. They get into these positions before they're ready and they're yes men. And these, these directors who aren't seasoned are getting these big shows. They don't know. So they push, push, push and they, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And people get hurt. People get killed. You know, it's, Joey could, it, it's a danger.
1: It's dangerous. It could be a danger. Yeah,
0: region.
1: yeah. Could you dangerous ex- arena. Could you explain like why someone like Arnold might have more than one stunt double, or might have a stand-in, and what these different people would do, well, yeah, and why you would need more? Here's
0: the difference. Right, a stand-in is somebody who resembles the actor, but they only stand there while the director of photography uses them for lighting to light the set or they'll okay. use them to photo double, you know, to walk away from camera or something, or in a wide shot that, you know, as a photo double, only no stunts. Then you have the stunt doubles who will perform all the stunts. Now the only time you'll have more than one is let's say you have a first unit going, you have a, you have, you have action on that unit. And then you have a second unit going where I'm directing second unit at this point, And I need someone else to double Arnold on that unit as well. You know? So did you double him, him like on him, T2? Yes, I doubled him on T two, but not every gag. You know, uh, there were some gags. Cause I was also the stunt coordinator. I'm wearing two hats. Oh wow! So you know, um, you know, it's like okay, I put a, I put uh, certain guys on the motorcycle. I put I did all the driving sequences because those were first unit with Jim. I drove all the cars. So I you did drove all the Caprice did, where you're
1: backwards. I guess you're facing backwards. I, well, what we did, you know. It,
0: What we did is we took that car, we built, I had a, it was a reverse blind drive car. Mm -hmm. So I actually sat in the trunk of that car. If you look at the pictures, you can see a skull skull cap on me coming up over the rear seat where I'm looking out the back window. So I had all the controls and I'm basically driving by Braille with Linda and Arnold in the car, driving it backwards through the underground parking garage. Uh, How many uh, times did you do that? Oh, we we spent probably four or five days just on that one sequence because you know you you're shooting you're shooting multiple angles of them in the in the car shooting reloading removing, moving out the window seeing Robert Patrick running over Robert Patrick you know following the car tracking with the <laughs> oh car and, you know, it, there's a, and there's you know back then it's all squibbed effects it's live squibs it's you know you run on a gun you run out of blanks, you got to reload you got you know it's take after
1: take after take, you know. It's so much better looking than CGI. Joey, did you coordinate this guy that flew a helicopter under the bridge on Terminator 2? I mean, there's some crazy stuff going right there.
0: Yeah, that was all practical. Look, the finest helicopter in the pilot in the business is a dear friend of mine named Chuck Tamboro. He's ex Vietnam. You know, they flew in Nam. And I've worked with Chuck for the last 45 years. And when I saw this sequence, you know, Jim was saying, do you think? I said, yeah, Chuck Tamboro can do this. And I brought Chuck in, met with Jim and everybody in prep. So while we were scouting, we took Chuck out there. We scouted the location. It's a tunnel off the Terminal Island Freeway down in um, Long Beach. And Chuck looked at it. He goes, yeah, no problem. So Jim went, great. We're going to fly. Jim, he goes, can we fly a Jet Ranger, which was bigger than the five? And Chuck goes, Yeah. So what was funny on the day we're we're, we're prepping the whole, we were shot out there for three and a half weeks doing that whole sequence on the freeway. On the first day, Chuck bought the helicopter. We want to test it. Chuck flew it in there, turned it around inside, and flew it back out. And Jim just looked at me and went, "Wow, he's the guy." You're not kidding. <laughs> but when we, when we did the sequence, when we did the sequence, I sat down with Chuck and Jim, and I said, "Look." <clears throat> Chuck has more control of the ship. If I'm not mistaken, at about 80 miles an hour, he goes, "Yeah, when I've got airspeed, I've got control." I said, "Jim, we're going to run the SWAT van through there, and you know, at at 75 miles an hour." I said, "That way, if Chuck has a problem and he's got to set it down on the skids, we're out of the way." You know, yeah. so God forbid we lose transmission or an engine on that on on one of those on that jet engine. And I had all the stunt cars in there. We had it worked out where everything where they swerved, they got right against the walls, so Chuck had room to get th- through there, and uh, it, you know we probably he probably flew through there eight or nine times. Oh my gosh! You know, and all the, I mean it was he he makes it look easy, you know, and uh, Chuck did all the flights. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, you remember the Untrue Lies when we did the stunt where I'm doubling Arnold and we pulled Jamie's double out of the limits? Oh, yeah, absolutely. On, on the bridge in Key okay. West. You want to know who the real hero of that stunt was? Sure. Chuck Tambor, Chuck the helicopter Tambor. pilot. He, exactly. And, I'll, you know, when you're ready, I'll tell you the whole story from prep
1: to finish on that because it's quite hilarious. Oh, and I'd love uh, to hear that. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll definitely okay. talk about that. Jamie Lee Curtis, is she really. Oh, there at any point or is she doubled at some, or some point? Jamie was doubled for the actual stunt and then Jim came
0: up to me he says are you? Are we okay if we put Jamie in the harness take her for a ride in the helicopter fly over you know, all the sets where I can shoot down at her for close ups and reactions I said absolutely and Chuck and I are good with it oh, Jamie was great with it so, so we harnessed Jamie up She's connected to me, and I'm doubling Arnold, sure. and I've hard. I got a hard. on Jim Cameron. I'll, I can send you a picture at some point, Scott, of the shot. Jim's leaned up. You know, he's you know, running the, the camera, of- right? Yeah. Jim yeah, is running the here. camera. Jim loves to operate cameras. And when we get into the True Lies <laughs> segment on this, I'm going to tell you some funny stories and uh, where Jim and I would definitely mess with each other. Oh, but hey, that's
1: what you can do. Before we get to True Lies, tell, let's talk about Predator because that's one of the best films ever right. made. What was Kevin Peter Hall like? Because we lost him right after Predator 2, I think, was shot. He died in a car accident. But he played the Predator. Right.
0: right. Well, prior to him, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. Joel That's right. Fired him like the first week of the show because <laughs> all he did was bitch moaning. All he did was bitch moaning, complain. So we put Steve Boyham, a stuntman, in the red thermal suit to do all because you know. And then they decided once once we shot the first twelve weeks of the jungle encampment a lot of tracking through the jungles and the guys getting killed that was all done outside of Puerto Vallarta we had to do the whole end sequence and we went down to Palenque Chiapas which is near the Mayan ruins A beautiful beautiful area of southern Mexico so they we shut down for two months while Stan Winston they went and redesigned the whole predator Kevin Peter Hall came in probably one of the nicest human beings mm. I had ever met in my life he was such a dream to work with we're shooting nights he's in this costume he's got this 30 pound you know monster head on this remote control. you know he never complained never bitched he was just such a kind human being
1: oh, i'd know? love to
0: met he, that guy
1: was, and yeah, you see really, him at really the good. end of the film correct he's the helicopter pilot yes. in the last yes. shot yes
0: you know, when we had all the ash in the burned-out area, yes.
1: I am so into all of this stuff you have done. And I have read there's different things. You know where you attack the village in Predator? I have heard yes. that to this day, the shell of that helicopter is still sitting in that village.
0: It probably is. It, it It's it's right out of the Arctic called Mesmaloa. And I think they kept it as a tourist attraction. <laughs> you <know>? Really?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Joey, is oh, that yeah. <laughs> you jumping off of the the waterfall as Arnold? Yes. Now I've always yeah, thought did. there's something funny about that shot. It's almost a little soft focus or something. Is that on purpose or is it like we can't no, do this? Let again? me tell you
0: let me tell you what happened. We did the first part at a place called Agua Azul. These beautiful waterfalls—they're about 35-foot waterfalls, all limestone, very beautiful. That's where I came off the short waterfall, where you see it, see them fall. Right. Then we cut to another place down, about eh, a waterfall is about a 145-foot waterfall that came down to the rocks. And it, there was a, like a 140-degree canyon wall. So what we had to do is there's no way I could come, over, come off that waterfall. I'd hit the rocks. So what we did is we, we rigged a cable across the canyon over the big pool of water that the water would run into. It was about 18 feet deep. And, you know, they would hoist me up. I had a mark at, at 85 to 90 feet. I was going to oh, come off at 90 feet. But you have so, a cable oh, no, no, on as you fall. No, no, no. I'm free falling.
1: Oh, dear. So they're
0: hoisting. We make this little bench seat, and these guys are pulling me up, pulling me up. And all of a sudden, I pass the 90-foot mark, and I'm yelling, stop, alto, stop. I go up to about 112 feet. And I have to come off this thing, and I come off head first. And then I flip back to my feet and hit the water. So we pull it off. I mean, it came off perfect. I break surface. Tony Brubaker and Henry Kinsey Sr., my boat safety guys. Craig Baxley, who was our stunt coordinator, already left the film. We're shooting this the last week, so I finished it up for him. John McTiernan, we used to call him old Lemon Face, our director, because he had the weirdest looks on his face. I oh, yeah. didn't like him. He didn't like, he didn't like stunt people. He was just not a nice person. Long story short, I break surface. He goes, That was perfect, but we missed it on two cameras. I went, What? I mean, that's uh, not a stunt you do over. No. So they dry me off. They put me in my adrenaline field right now. They hoist me back up to the same spot at about 110 feet. And I watch him moving cameras. I'm up there holding on. I'm sitting on this little two by six. It's like two and a half feet wide. I'm holding on the cables waiting. It's not fun. It's windy up there. And I go, that when he got the shot. He's moving cameras. He lied to me. I right, So we do the second one. Same thing, I do a one, I do a full flip, come back to my feet, get break, hit the water, pike, I come up, he comes up, he goes, we're out of focus, and uh, two of the and the other camera jammed. And I'm thinking, you dirty SOB. I do it a third time. Now I'm tired. My adrenaline is just oh, yeah. red light at this point they're moving cameras again now the, the third time i do it as i get to my position about 40 you know from that height i'm in the water in two se- in you know in two seconds it's over quick so you know and i i just don't get my feet quite locked at the bottom and as i hit the water it blows my left knee up past my ear i shred <sighs> my knee i I tore the meniscus. I tore the ACL, and we're down. You know, hey, we're near the Guatemalan border, in the middle of freaking no. No hospital. And I break surface. I break surface. The hospital was basically a medicine cabinet. So I break surface. I get. I said, uh, Tony. I said, guys, get me in the boat. My knee is, it's blown up like a football. They get me to shore, and they, you know, they got medics coming over. John McTurden came over, smiling, goes, "That looked great." Sorry you got hurt. If I could have got up, I'd have punched him. I'd have knocked him right the F. So, anyway, I end up getting home, you know, I get healed my knee up, blah, 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 blah. You know, I never forget. I actually had to work with McTiernan again on Last Action Hero, and I have zero respect for that man, And, and especially after doing that show with him, you know. Yeah. And, uh, there are some directors that, hey, they're yellers, they're screamers. They're brilliant. They know what they're doing. There's one guy you answer to, the Jim Camerons, you know, the people like sure. that. They're brilliant. McTernan's not like Jim Cameron. He's just nasty to people, you know, kind of like the Michael Manns. There's an old joke. You know, if you you have Michael Mann, you have Jim Cameron, and you have Michael Bay, and they've, they're, they've all got reputation oh, sure did. as screamers and yellers sitting in a room and a guy with a gun walks in with two bullets who do you shoot oh it's easy michael Mann twice
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much joel kramer for being on guatney unplug great stories there and we'll see you next week right here on 1029 k-a-r-n